have I got a story for you. It's about a guy that isn't clowning around when it comes to clowning around. Well, he and his wife kind of (laughs) are. He chose homelessness, chose to bet on himself and his fortitude, chose to become a business owner where balance and juggling just aren't a part of his circus school. Those are principles this international explorer lives by. But first, today's sponsor, Hugs. Yes, those warm emotional embraces are bringing you today's show. You remember running to your mommy after skinning a knee, tears in your eyes, hands where it hurt. And after she kissed away the pain by placing her lips on your little boo-boo, what did you do? You got hugged. There's a reason they take the pain away. The hugger's empathy just soaks it all up. Shit is like emotional osmosis. Magic. And it doesn't stop with pain. All emotions are amplified and better experienced when shared. Joy can be spread. Sorrow will seep out of you. Fear is freed to leave and welcomed in by your hugger. So despite our current state of social distancing, hugs want you to remember how good physical contact can make a person feel. Eye contact falls short. Emoji replies to a message. They're slightly above a shoulder shrug with a, dude, that sucks. Even the classic pat on the back with a attaboy can't give you what open arms and chest-to-chest contact can. Run back to those warm, comforting embraces you looked forward to every night after getting tucked into bed as a kid. Hugs are here for you. Come on in and come on home. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Friend, follow. We're on IG, Twitter, Facebook. Listen and subscribe. Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Google Play. Find some stories to listen to. Be a part of the conversation. I swear you are not a third wheel. You're a welcomed addition. Besides, tricycles fucking kick ass. (laughs) And now, getting to know you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. And I actually hit record this time. Good for me. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. On today's show, we are getting to know Dali. Dali, thanks for uh, coming on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thanks you, man. Great to be here. And uh, what time zone are you in? You said you were in Spain? Yeah, we're in Spain. It's it's 2.21 right now. 2.21 yeah. in the afternoon? Yeah. Got you. So I get more credit for waking up, making sure I was up early um, with my yeah, coronavirus yeah, quarantine. Yeah, that's why I ask you, man, if it's not too early. <laughs> right? How uh, How's coronavirus life over there? Well, my wife and I have been quarantined since the 13th of March. We closed our business the 13th of March, and so we're just in one month. Okay, so that's basically the same as uh, as us. I think we actually might have gone the 13th. It was a Friday. But our schools got shut down. I'm in Delaware. Yeah, so exactly. Friday the 13th. It's, it's my, my wife's birthday, so it was a nice. pretty peculiar day. 
No doubt. And how's the uh, healthcare system and whatnot? Is it like pandemonium over there? Is the news hyping it up as everyone's dying, no hospital beds, or is it more? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the news hypes it out a lot. You know, we're, we're pretty lucky here in Spain. You know, we got a great, a great health, health public system. Uh, everybody, everybody has the right to a doctor. doesn't matter if you have or not insurance. doesn't matter if you've been working. It doesn't matter if you're an immigrant. So in that case, you know, things are good, but they're not prepared for so many people. Right. Have you so ever... That's the actual problem here. You know, the, the big, big hospitals and big places, you know, they, they can work pretty well, but there are too many little towns near those big places. So that's what starts filling them up. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, is like flatten the curve a saying over there as well? Well, that's what they're saying right now. You know, right okay. now... Today is the first day that some people are able to go back to work. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, Not us. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm amazed. So I've spoken to people in London, people in Canada, and um, in Puerto Rico, which I guess uh, technically is part of the United States. But I guess yeah. I'm just amazed at the regional alliance of slogans. Where it's like social, you say the word social distancing, and in like five different countries, people know what you're talking about. Or flat, oh, yeah, flatten sure. the curve, people know what you're talking about. Like that's pretty amazing to me. Well, yeah, that's you know, these these types of things I think are are things that make people unite in ways they normally wouldn't wouldn't even think of. You know, it it does something to people that it touches people everywhere. It doesn't matter doesn't matter race, doesn't matter religion, doesn't matter our culture, you know, death is death for everybody. Right. So maybe that's it, you know, maybe when things get so hot, you know, we have a saying here and nobody cares until they crap on your lawn. <laughs> you know but, what I mean? Yeah. Do, do they go around saying it in English like that or does it sound? No, 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 no. <laughs> We say it in Spanish. But gotcha. I translated. Yeah. What is that? Say it in Spanish, man, because I'm interested. What the uh, what it like flows like? How would you? Oh, you want me to say it in Spanish? Yeah. That's. Um, I got a South American accent, though. It's it's similar. Argentinian and Uruguayans we speak very similar and very different to the rest of the Spanish people. Gotcha. Well. I guess what I'm thinking is like, you know, when people have sayings, sometimes it makes more sense in your native language and you translate it, it loses some of the, like, I, I, I would not have thought when you said that it was like, oh, someone's crapping in my lawn. Now I care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded so different. Like you hear the word crap at the end. You're like, what? And then yeah, you say it yeah, in Spanish. Right. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Totally. <laughs> yeah. That, probably there's a lot of that, that since I only lived till I was 11 in New York, I didn't actually learn how to speak English like you typically do. You know, I'm like, I'm like only school learned. I learned right. very educated, no slang. Right. You know, those those words I picked up watching movies. Not not. I didn't live my teenage life there. I was in South America speaking Spanish. Right. Yeah. I've... So maybe maybe I I do some expressions that will be weird for you. <laughs> no man, not weird, dude. Interesting. That was cool. Nobody cares till they crap in your lawn. I, well, you the... can use it whenever you want. No doubt. Take like, it. dude, quit crapping in my lawn, man. <laughs> I'm gonna start caring here. Oh man. Yeah. Um. So let's get into it, Dolly. Um. Who I had called Dally at first, and is completely open to uh 
people calling you however they interpret your name, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about you, man. What's your story? Well, where, where do you want me to start? Because I, I like telling stories and I got a bunch of them. So what do you want to talk about? The Whatever popped in your head, man, to be honest with you. Um, so when I'm asking, I'm sure something just and kind of fake stalking you on Instagram, looking at your pictures, I'd seen a bunch of weird athletic stuff that I was like, Jesus, this guy looks cool. <laughs> well, um, so wherever, man, feel free. Well, we got a, as, as we talked a little bit before, we got a school here and we're in Bilbao, Spain. Uh, we're in Basque, Basque country, like my wife always points out to me. <laughs> and here, here we got a school that's, it's an, and we call it a sports and arts center. We're called La Fabrica. Oh. It's, uh, it's called the factory, uh, sports and arts center, the factory. Oh. And so the thing is that both of us got into arts life different ways you know she's been a dancer her whole life you know she didn't have she didn't have the typical teenage life she was always training and dancing and i had the typical teenage life where i didn't do anything until i finished high school and i left <laughs> because i didn't do anything and i needed to find what i wanted to do yeah that's the american in you just friggin yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. wasting Very all well those good years and the choices were i was applying to colleges in the states or a trip, the typical trip to Europe, you know, uh, finish studies, go to Europe, leave, travel around a little bit, then go home and put on the tie and start doing whatever you have to do. Oh, wow. But instead of doing that, I ended up living in the woods, making uh, macrame and all type of jewelry with wires. These girls taught me, started living with people that just lived with the street, you know, making music, making arts and crafts, uh, making henna tattoos. Uh, how'd you get, people. how'd you get that relationship? So you were actually on the trip or you've just like, no, these were neighborhood I went to people? visit my cousin because my cousin had moved to Switzerland and he's like my brother. You know, our mothers even today still live together. You know, they're, it's impossible to make them separate. So we got this like strange brother relationship, even though we're cousins. Yeah. And since my since he went one year before me to Switzerland and we had this uncle there, but he was bored and went to Barcelona and said, hey, this is cool. I'm going to stay here. So I went to visit visit there. But he was in Ibiza and he was he was already starting the season, you know, the summer season, making money. So I stayed a week in Barcelona when I went to Ibiza. You know, my cousin that we're, we're from a real good neighborhood. We had money. We went to private schools. So we had a lot of luck growing up and all the possibilities. And he was living in the woods playing as a mime on the streets of a market. Like, and I'm like, okay, fuck, this cool, cool. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the new shit. I don't know. I was like open to anything in my life at that point. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was supposed to be studying engineering. Oh man. And it's like, okay. So I'm like a real proud person. My father, I'm an only child. Uh, old dad, born in 1944, you know, a real strict one. And he always taught me, you got to make your way. It doesn't matter which way you do it, just got to make your way. So even though we had money, it's like, okay, that's his. I got to make my way now. And I'm old. I left my home. I got to make my way. So I took the thousand bucks he gave me. I put him in my fanny pack that I had at the moment. And 
just went on from there. You know, what can I do? What can I do? And I didn't have the skill to be a mime at that moment like my cousin. You just talk too much? And I was insecure, man. I was real insecure. Probably all this started because I was so insecure and went with the current I was put on. Oh. You know, I, I was relating with people that were doing all these type of things, so I had to find what would I do. Got you. Wait, so, so let me ask you, when you said you were insecure to be a mime, as far as like just having the confidence of, I can make people believe that a wall is here? Or like, is it like the body movements that you were, what does well, lack of confidence first, look like in a mime? First, let me tell you a little bit about my mind, you 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 think of that black and white dude making the wall, yeah. blowing up balloons, Trapped in and that's box. one part of the art of mime. The art of mime is actually probably the, one of the oldest arts, and it's the base of any actor. It's movement, okay. how to move the body. You know, like, they have like twenty different hand positions. Okay, it's like real freaky. I used to date a girl that was pretty very much big in this, so I, I learned a lot there. And the the actual thing is not making the wall or doing any type of movement with your body is the thing that you put yourself, you and the public, and you're convincing people to give you money just because you're putting yourself there. You're not doing anything, just making amusement or making them laugh or pissing them off. <laughs> you know, if you're playing with their emotions and you're, and you think, or at least you work to make money through that. Okay. And, for me, at that point, I didn't even know what to do. I, I, I even thought I was like begging because I, as you, as I said, where I was grown up, that was begging. You know, that normally people would say, "What are you doing? You're begging for money." Got you. Not performing, but begging. Exactly. It took me. It took me years of uh, building myself up to today because I'm a clown today, and I'm so. Today, I tell you that probably it's one of the most difficult things to do. You know, you don't have any tool but yourself. You put yourself in front of an audience. doesn't matter if it's two people or a thousand. Yeah, right. Well, cause so that's probably, you know, it was, even though that the difficulty is in the art form, I do think that in my case, it was much more my insecurity or my unknowingness of what I wanted to do with my life at that point. That was coming through and kind of stopping you from just taking those risks or like entertaining. Yeah. Wow. Dude, it's interesting that um, to to have the mentality of like shit, I'm begging. Like, if you come from a well off place and you have some pride, and then all of a sudden in your head you're like, man, I'm a fucking beggar. Um, what uh, what helped you to flip that switch to be like, man, it, this is this is a career. I this is art. Stayed- what uh what happened i stayed on the current first you know and that that lasted all the season went into august and i was already without the without the visa tourist visa already i had already expired so i was an an illegal immigrant at that point oh and i wanted to be able because i have an italian uh, italian ancestry so i could do my papers but they didn't allow me to do them here in spain or i had to go to italy or i had to go back to uruguay so I went back to Uruguay, a little scared, you know, because uh, I, the season ends, all the summer ends, and you're back in a city like Barcelona, winter's coming, and uh, winter's hell here if, you, if you're doing that type of life, because there's no tourists, there's no season. Okay. So, or you have enough money made in summer, or you're going to have a bad winter. Gotcha. So that scared me a lot, and I was still still a child, and I talked to my dad, and my dad was like, come home. 
And he didn't do it in a way of of telling me to come home, but more like that. That what's your other option? You, yeah. or you do something, <laughs> or you come home. Yeah, no doubt, you're fucked, man. Come on, it's fine. <laughs> and I and I was a kid, and I stupidly thought he was telling me to come home, so I did. Wow. <laughs> Went back to Uruguay. Took me around five minutes to know I made a mistake. Oh, really? so it was kind of a setup. I don't know if it was a setup. If I set myself up. Uh, it's been a long time, you know, these things, I thought I'm, I, I like to re-analyze and analyze myself. You know, I'm a teacher and uh, I'm a coach, so a lot of psychology involves and I like to re- re-evaluate my things. Yeah. But, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was him, if it was me, if it was the moment. You know, sometimes things just happen for one moment. You passed it, didn't happen. So he was, so when you get home, you said it took like five minutes. Were you just feeling like he was looking down on you? Like you had disappointed him? What was the emotional disconnect? The place, the uh, situation. When I went back to the Y, it's like, what am I doing here? There's nothing for me here to do. I don't want to do anything here. I was happy where I was. I was building myself and making my wife. Got you. So you're... Uruguay was more like that putting on the tie that you had said earlier. Like that was that engineering life or whatever. That um, that was the life I knew, you know. Yeah. Interestingly, you. the time I had to spend in Uruguay getting my citizenship, Italian citizenship, I changed completely my, the lifestyle I had before because I just had come back from since six months living a type of life that was practically the opposite of what I was living in Uruguay. So I couldn't go back to my normal lifestyle. I, I even had dreadlocks made. So I had dreads until the back of my back because I, I always normally had long hair. But I, di- I didn't cut my hair for a year and had dreads on. So when I came back to Uruguay, I was wearing a lot of colors. You know, everything was handmade by myself. And you can tell because I was learning. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was it was a weird thing to see for uh, all, all my friends. You know, I used to play rugby in a private school, in a real good school. So I'd go to the, to the teams to visit them, you know, and they were like, fuck, what's happened to him? <laughs> like, you know, and, like they, not like in an interesting man, kind of cool. You're rocking dreads and. Oh no, like, they're fucking hippies. worried. Like you're, you're in a cult. You're addicted to heroin. Yeah. Something, something's happened to him. And, and the, the phrase that always kept with me and that I loved because I loved it. I, it didn't even piss me off was like, and the bit, and the big problem is that he doesn't even care. <laughs> and I love that man. That, that gave me so much fucking confidence. You know, something that they were using to to make me feel lower made me feel so much higher and bigger than them. It was cool. it was fucking awesome. Right, because well, it, it's probably their fear coming out that they realize they no longer have that like social influence of power over yeah. you, right? Yeah, yeah. That type of thing is that type of life. Oh, got you, got you, got you, got you. Jeez. So, like, are they just wearing fucking polos and khakis? Oh yeah, shit, man. We wore uh, hush, uh, hush puppy shoes. Yes. Uh, Levi's five hundred one and nice. L- Ralph Lauren shirt. Got gotta have the logo, that was, right? That was the look. Gotta have the logo. It's all about the logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And and my mother would tell you, man, if they didn't have the logo, I wouldn't use it. Right. <laughs> 
dude, that is, um, you know, that's so funny because it's, it, it's a huge thing here. And just almost like the coronavirus being global fucking branding, man, like oh, people everything. buying into a Nike swoosh or I don't know what I don't want to fucking in case Nike ever becomes a sponsor of my podcast. <laughs> I don't want to piss them off, <laughs> but yeah, like, but- that seems to be a real thing. Like fuckers, when you get to a point, it's all about brand. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, but then you do something like you and you're fucking living in the woods and you're making your own clothes. Like you give a shit. You're more about like the comfort of the fabric, I would imagine. (laughs) And like trying to find a unique way to like use. For me, it was, it's simple. I had to start from zero because I, the, the thing I thought was what I've done till now I have no clue. I just, I just lived the life. You know, I had the luxuries. I wanted this. I have it because my parents, I'm, as I said before, I'm an only child. Yeah. And my mother struggled a lot to have me. She had to be nine months in bed to be able to have me. She lost two before me. Oh, wow. So they struggled a lot. You know, her mother died when she was, when she was in, in bed with me. Uh, her mother, no, her mother got cancer when she was in bed with me. Her father-in-law died. So my father had to go to Brazil. So she had like this real weird pregnancy and a tough one. So obviously when I was born, she stopped fabric and I'm like everything. To her. Yeah. 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 So she took care of me every way she could, but they worked a lot. So instead of taking care of me of the actual way of being there, they couldn't be there. So they gave me a lot of things. Right. So what happened was that I didn't learn much about poverty till one day I was in Europe when I saw a kid that was poor. And I'm like, shit, what's that? I only know old people poor, you know, the ones right. that are on streets of New York in the 80s. So it was like this growing up and learning and trying to be able to see the situation. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking no, about. No, yeah, dude, it's it's an awakening. It's almost, um, and it's been, man, fucking almost 20 years. But I remember, I thought, isn't that kind of what happened um, to Buddha? Where he was raised in a palace and then he goes outside of the walls and he sees poverty and he's like, it just fucking changes him because he had no experience with it. Yeah, and, he, and and I was seeing a kid that was my age. Yeah, you know, I never, I, I never imagined that was possible because I lived in Long Island and Old Westbury. It's like green gardens, big houses, right. cool cars. Yeah. So until I went to Uruguay, Uruguay, you know, it's real small, and uh, even though you're in a good neighborhood, the neighborhood next door is yeah, you're right. living in. Did were you, was like guilt messing with you at all were you feeling like when you came back home you disappointed your because the experience you're talking about with your mother man like that's you seem until you seem aware enough to be like man she really did sacrifice a lot for me and i mean a lot and i don't want to disappoint these people yeah no and these things always haven't been evaluated in my life and been and been following him in my life in different types of moments and so i've thought a lot about this you know, they, they moved from, from the States to Uruguay and sold everything for me, you know, for me to be able to have them more as a family because my father said, shit, I'm never at home. Oh. You know, I, my kid's going to be 12 years old and I haven't practically seen him. Gotcha. So I know they've practically everything they've done or everything they've chosen to do is, is on me. Man. Man, that pressure of coming from a family like that to what you when you got back home. What did you miss most about living in the woods? 
Uh, at that point, I was still much, much a kid, and it was the liberty, man. It was, you know, I'm back home with my parents. I was doing what I wanted, the schedule I wanted, eating what I wanted, how I wanted. I've always been pretty independent, and I learned to cook when I was a kid. I learned to clean when I was a kid. You know, even though we had the privileges, my mom, like, she's, to, you know, the girl that worked at home, she's like, she's helping me. She's not helping you. You got time. Gotcha. You do your your chores. She she has to help me. So I, I the thing is, was I was too used to already being living alone to be able to be with that family all the time again. I wanted to be living my life. And when I came that, even the family, like, it was like grabbing me towards again, repeating what I was before. And I didn't want to go there. Did they try to like send you to like a counselor or therapy or something? Like, did they do the intervention when, um, no, no, at some my point? parents are cool. You know, my parents will talk with me, everything, and they're going to always support whatever decision I make. Nice. If I make a decision, you know, the only thing my, my parents don't like it. You don't make decisions and you don't do anything. You, know, you got to choose something in life. You got to do it. And if it doesn't go okay, so choose the next. And if it goes okay, man, you're going to still have choices on. So. Got you. Perseverance, fortitude. Yeah. Yeah, that's the most important thing for my parents. Got I mean, you. For me to be happy and for me to go on. So in that case, they don't mind. You know, it was a shock and it was difficult. And my father told me, you're, you're choosing the most difficult path. You know, you can stay here. <laughs> You'd have a job, you know, you got the contacts, you got the money, you, know, you got an easy life here if you want. Right. And you're choosing the, the shitty road. And if you want to do it, it's okay, man, but you got to be conscious of that. And, you know, and I got my ass whipped a couple of times because I wasn't very conscious about it. Now, today I'm 38 and I can look at it, things with a different perspective of life. But at that moment of life, I was just like pulling throttle. Just all out, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, and 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 each step I went, it was like, well, let's see if we can pull a little more. <laughs> so, how long did you go back home to Uruguay for? It was like oh, nine months. The oh, time they took to make my paperwork. God. So then, nine months. You're trying to hold on to this, like, is is like, would you call it a newfound identity? This the this like. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it was the me at the moment, you know, it was the right. me I was building up. I wasn't something yet. I was still starting to work on that. Yeah. And then it's like, get almost getting like pulled away or drained, sapped from you in Uruguay. Not, but that didn't happen. The, the thing is that I knew that I had to, that I wasn't going to stay there. So it's like, okay, what do I got to do? I got to do my paperwork. Gotcha. How long does that take? Uh, well, at least six months, they told me. Okay. So I got six months to do a lot of shit. So I studied French, I studied uh, bong uh, bongos, oh, you know, Cuban bongos. I studied cooking, I studied um, dessert making, I don't know if you, you guys call it. Yeah, baking. How you guys call it. Pastry. Yeah, pastry, okay. Okay. And, and, and worked on lighthouses doing juggling. Uh, went to festivals to sell the jewelry we made. We also made uh, bamboo pipes, uh, bamboo incense to to put on. You know. Okay. Wow. And we we started getting better, so we started making bags and belts, all handmade. And then we went to Brazil and we started selling. So so all that money was to when we got back to Spain to be able to start with money on on our pocket. So it's like we've got this. These six months 
to work on preparing ourselves as much as better we can entertain ourselves also because if i stayed still i drive myself crazy right until i got and i bought a one-way ticket i didn't even pay pay uh there and back oh. one-way ticket to spain burn burn the burn the ships right <laughs> i've always um something people say uh i forget what it was but like was it cortez like he came over to America and like his army gets off the boats and he burns them. And he's like, we're either going to fucking conquer or we're going to die. Oh uh, yeah. I know that story. I don't remember who it was, but I know the story yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. It's like, That's but it. It, it does something for your mentality, man. You know, where you, the human instincts for survival come out and it fucking almost sharpens your skills, you know? Yeah. That's a technique I, I learned when I was a kid. That was the way to put myself a little bit of, you know, I if I wanted to do something, I knew that I'd have, I'm smart and stupid enough to know a lot of excuses that I could put myself to not do it. Right. And I can think up a lot of them. And so I just like pressure myself and putting myself against the wall, you know, like it's like th this meeting with you. It's um, if I would have done this at that age, I would have probably have like 15 excuses of mails to send to you to cancel it. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I do something like, okay, let's uh, let's go out, and I don't have any computer on me. I can't answer it. So when I get home, shit, I gotta talk to this guy. Gotcha. So I'd use that type of technique to be able to go and struggle against that insecurity that I have. Wow. Or that I have, you know, because yeah. I probably still have a little bit of that in me. You know, it's what makes me. It's what gives me gives me those techniques to go on. Dude, that's how, so. How old are you when you went back home to Uruguay? Like nineteen, twenty years old? Yeah, twenty. Twenty, dude. That's amazing because I feel like if you were in America, you just would have sat on the couch all day at your parents' house watching like Netflix. Ah, uh, no, nah, they wouldn't have let me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I myself wouldn't let me, my dad would have kicked me in my ass <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> Got you. That's a good lesson. Most people need yeah, to kick their kids. Old in their school, ass. man. You know, he was the he's the type of guy that. He didn't even have to pick up his hand. With one look, man, shit. I'd look to the floor and know exactly what I had to do. <laughs> I'm just, dude, I'm impressed that you almost used it as like your own little like mentorship where you figured out how to, I don't know, how to be a performer, entertainer, creator, and uh, used it to start a living, man. That's pretty fucking, I don't know, that's a lot of determination, a lot of foresight. Uh, you know, it's... It's difficult, man, because, you know, there's a lot of waves and a lot of turns and it's not a straight line. So I couldn't say that I pictured that what I have today was what I was aiming for. You know, it was something that was went building on, you know, you put on the first bricks and you know that the next two you're going to put them on. When you put the next two, you know, you're going to put five on. When you put the next five, shit, I'm going to build a house. <laughs> so it's it. It wasn't something I thought at the beginning. It was something that went went on by itself. You know, I got into circus for real, for real. You know, I used to be somebody that was looking for ways to make a living. That didn't matter which it was. If it was uh, selling beers and a and a festival of San Juan that they have here, that it's a party, uh, summer party everywhere in the whole Spain. And it's like a beach party. Everybody makes bonfires. They jump over the bonfires. So everybody's out on the streets. So we would sell beers in those festivals. And there's a lot of these types of festivals here in Spain. Did, so it didn't you, matter. Felt, you felt no guilt selling beer to people who are jumping over bonfires. 
Oh, no, man. No, no remorse for that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. I was even even laughing when they bounced into each other. <laughs> now, dude, when, you, when you're saying bonfire, so like – I'm picturing bonfire like you're talking about fucking like a radius, right? Like there, there, there's a good amount of wood. Those flames are high and wide. Am I, am I picturing this right? Some of them are crazy enough that are, that are like that. But you're talking about imagine kilometers of beaches. Yeah. And there's a bunch of them because it's not like there's one public one. It's like everybody goes out and makes their own one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. So why do you decide to jump over? It's just like it's a fucking rite of passage. Like we're going to I think the thing jump. is that because of the beers, they jump over. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do it, man. You know, the, the, the moms aren't doing it and the grannies aren't doing it. <laughs> you know, it's the, the teenagers are the, probably the ones. And the old guys that are just a little bit too... Still, drunk. Yeah, they're still trying to prove it, right? They're still trying to say, I got it. I, I, it's yeah. still in me. Holy shit, dude. I had no idea. So the thing is that, you know, that the it's the longest night in the in the calendar here. And so that's why they this they, they have this like party. Oh, okay. And the thing is that I was I was saying before, you know, I I used to do all types of those things. Didn't matter what I was doing, I was just making a living to go on, to be able to live as I wanted to live, you know. I was in that that revolutionary mode. I don't want to work, you know. I was like very lefty, you know, Che Guevara, and all, and that that type of moment of my life when I was a teenager, pissed off at politicians, but I wouldn't, I wasn't gonna pick up arms because I was smart enough to know that that wasn't the way. So let's change from within. Okay. So that was a little bit that the way of life in that moment until a friend of mine said, you know, there's a school in this town here nearby, a circus school. It's real cheap. So it's like 20 euros, three months of classes. If you did one once a week or 40 euros, three months, if you did twice a week, real cheap. And that's when I started to decide, okay, shit, let's do circus for real. And when you're and saying circus, that's the connection to like miming is it's like just an entertaining thing. Cause I like, I'm thinking like elephants, gorillas, the, the strong man, the yeah, bearded lady. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I've been like 15 years of my life struggling, uh, teaching people the new way. So yeah, it's like, I don't, mind, I don't mind talking with you about it. Yeah. It, is because it more... here they have the same problems here. They think about animals or a family of musical clowns that are Spanish. Yeah. They yeah. I right. think, uh, or maybe evidently a lot of people talk about uh, Cirque du Soleil today, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Is it more like Cirque, Cirque du Soleil or Cirque, Cirque du Soleil? No, you got you to gotta think that it's it's a profession. So in uh, like any profession, we, we sell like uh, we sell ourselves. We sell an image. We sell uh, a show. So you can sell a show to a circus and you can be with those animals working your show. Or you can sell a show for a car company for when it's doing its new Citroen X3. Oh. Or you can sell the show for Coca-Cola when they have a business meeting and they want to uh, close the event. Got you, got you. So it, it's it's much more bigger than that. And you know, I'm a I'm a clown, but I'm also a juggler and a balance act. And my wife is uh, is an aerial acrobat and a contortionist and a dancer. And so. You don't have to sell the whole circus. You can just sell one act. No. Gotcha. One. And so we're, we're, I don't know how you call in, in English, autonomous, when you, you're your own business person and you have to pay 
your social security. Yeah. So you would be, um, I believe, oh fuck. I thought it was a 1099, <laughs> which is the tax form for it. But I know what you're talking about. You're, you're an autonomous business. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. We're an autonomous business. And, then, yeah. and so we, even though we have our school besides that, we were before that already autonomous and we, we bill doesn't matter if it's a person, a business, uh, or even a, a city hall for the job they want us to do and we do, we don't care if it's small big one people 50 people a lot of uh, colors like Cirque du Soleil and lights or more contemporary like French circus wow so we it's it's like everything man and that's why and that's probably what made me find my way here because it's not one thing you know I, I've always had this problem of what do you want to be when you grow up and I'm like I want to be Dalit uh, why do I have to be a doctor? Why do I have to be a lawyer? Why do I have to be a juggler? I'm like much more than one thing. Dude, I, I, I have such admiration for people that can do the same thing every day and do it well. Like just repeat the process. I respect it, man. Dude, for sure. It because it is so fucking hard for me to think exactly. like, Jesus, eight o'clock this time every day, I know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be this. Like that, on some level, that kind of fucks with me too, man. I I can't I can't I have I have to do much more. You know, you you're a teacher, so right? Yep. So because I was listening to a little bit of these things, and you know, that's the lovely thing about teaching is that it it permits us and 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 you, and this is if you're a good teacher, obviously, but it permits us to do a lot of things if we want to reach our students. We don't have to choose only one way, the same way every day. Yeah. Well, dude, something, and this is my struggle with teaching. So a lot of teachers, at least here, if you teach a class, you teach basically the same lesson four times a day. Yeah. yeah. Dude. So like I've had to struggle to find a position in a, in a school where I don't repeat any lessons every day. Cause I would fucking be bored out of my mind. Exactly. I couldn't, I know I, yeah. I, I train people, I, I coach and I'm a teacher and I never do the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ex dude. Yeah. Why, why do you think, um, you just think that's like how your spirit is that you don't like, you just can't deal with that well. Or what do you think that is? I get bored easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just attention span. <laughs> I'm like hyper, I, I'm hyperactive, you know, since I was a kid and I'm like, I, I need to entertain myself with new things constantly. I'm the typical person that finds a difficulty and when achieves it, says, okay, shit, this is easy. Let's do the next. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So like, and man, that's something I'm also noticing too, is I actually worry about kids who are scared to fail and kids who are scared to go through difficulties, man. Like I feel so much, I don't know if it's just like a first world problem where people are so comfortable that they don't want to risk losing that comfort. They don't want to risk maybe being teased on social media or, or having people be able to talk shit, but like they are completely almost like you were saying, man, like happy to go with the flow, like that status quo. It, uh, it worries me a little bit. Uh, but it is, it is, it is. And, and I, it's Spain. We see it a lot. You know? Oh, really? There's a lot of, in education now we've got a lot of problems. You know, we, we got out of the, public system of education or the semi-public is they got a semi-public here that's half private half public oh, really? and yeah they call it concertados you know they 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 receive money from the the community of madrid in the case of madrid where we were at the moment and but they the students still have to pay a fee it's not a big fee like a private school but it's like 
I don't know, 70, 30, 60, 40, something like that. And what is, is the fee for like after school activities for books? What's the for fee books, for? Yeah. Yeah. For, for all, for all the books. And I don't think the uniform goes in the uniform is a part. Yeah. The uniform is a part. I'm looking at my wife. Cause I was, a. Uh, I was in that school for all types of extracurricular activities. She was the second grade teacher, so she knows a little bit more of the intern things than me. Okay. And that's like countrywide in Spain? Like there are no like just city public schools where if you live there, you walk and show up and pay nothing? Yeah, you got still, you got, there's like this little feat of the public schools. Wow. But they've got, they've got, at least in Madrid, they got a bunch of them. Everyone pays for the book. Because they pay for books, and I don't know, like uh, uh, the eating, yeah. Okay. Man. But it's not. There's no. It's like it's a very very cheap fee, and if you have uh, any type of problems actually paying it, you can probably get a scholarship. So, and gotcha. in those cases, you know, education and health here, it's it's pretty well. Even though the lefties complain about it. If you compare it to the states or compare it to South America, where I was, where I was living, and that's much, much better. Yeah, well, I, and I don't know much about South America, but I just know south of the United States of America, man, people don't realize how hard it is to try to go from lower class to upper class, and the opportunities that are limited to people growing up in poverty. I mean, it's that's why that's why so many people choose the the thief way. No, it's that, that's the easy way. If you right. wanna, if you wanna make money there fast, it's much more easier to do it through the bad ways than through the good ways. Right? Yeah, I could imagine. Um, <laughs> that's one of the complaints a lot of people have there. It's like you're forcing us to do this, like we, because there's no opportunity, right? Like there's no if the education is limited, if the educational opportunities are limited. You're just continuing to widen the gap. So how are people going to be competent to do anything else other than figure out their own way? Yeah, there was there was once a guy uh, in Uruguay. You know, I, I I always love to talk to people, so I didn't mind where he was, and he was one of those guys that uh, helps people to park cars, you know, to make a living. Okay. And I was talking with him, and he was like, "No, man, you know why we have so many kids? Because there's more hands to to ask for money." And I'm like, oh, and there's shit. more mouths to feed. <laughs> and like, and and they don't they don't see that, you know. It's like it's double the hands. Yeah. And he's like, with his eyes open, like, shit, I just discovered something. No doubt. But I'm surprised he didn't say, wait, but there's two hands and one mouth, so I'm still fifty percent above board. Uh, if I would have gotten <laughs> that way, probably. <laughs> dude, but that's dude, that's a great point. Like people in poverty, so many times, like. You have a long-term life plan. You almost think like dominoes. Okay, well, if I do this, then and like shit just interacts with other things. But for so many people, it's all about the like one thing. And there is no thought as to what that one thing leads to or why. It's just what is the thing. I, uh, it, it's something, it's something, it's almost very um, immature. It's almost like impulsive, like a little kid would solve a problem, you know? Oh, yeah. Where yeah, you're yeah. like, I don't get how come you don't see this, man. Like, how come you don't see what you're doing actually causes more of the issue that you're trying to solve? Yeah, the fucked up thing about it is that you can take that analogy and put it in politicians also. Yeah, I, I feel they do it because they want to be all about the moment. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Sorry about the change, but I just I heard the phrase and I just said, shit, exactly like politicians. Yeah, well, so, and I, I don't mind because it's interesting to me to learn about other um, political systems. I don't know a ton about the American political system, uh, but what do you, um, it seems like you get into the po- politician thing a little bit. Why? Why uh, is that? I, I, you know, I like politics. I like politics because I, I'm, I like to, to think about uh, social problems. I like to think about education problems. I like to, to be able to help work on things and make them better. So um, you can't do that without getting yourself into politics. It's impossible. If you have an opinion on something, you're going to be a little bit right or a little bit left. If you think you're just right, I'm going to probably find something left in you and vice versa. Gotcha. So I, I I like those things. I can't I can't vote here. So I'm and that way I I can't put my opinion on a vote because I'm Italian. I'm not Spanish for them. Okay. But whatever they decide and whatever they do is gonna, in some form of way, affect me. Right. If you got kids in the education system, yourselves in the health system, if you don't want to pay a, pay a private one. And if you got a businessman, like we do, it's you're, you're in it. So yeah, I was, and if you're gonna ask for for helps and and money for this or money for that, and if you're gonna wanna open this and open that, you're you're, you're making yourself exposed to these things. So you gotta have an opinion about them. You can't look over. Right. How is Spain towards businesses, towards like entrepreneurs? Uh. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm gonna. My my wife wants to know what you ask. Why I laugh? I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna tell her in Spanish. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you should look at their face. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's put this situation now. Like she says, now with the COVID nineteen, we have nothing for us. Okay, nothing. Uh, what what the only things that we can do is we can uh, do this type of how do you uh, when you fire somebody here it's called erte because you fire somebody but it's temporary oh furlough I, it's furlough over here furlough okay yeah so they got this furlough here and that people are gonna be with the eighty percent social security will be paying the eighty percent of their uh, salaries okay so. The businesses in that point, the big businesses that have like 20,000 employees, like uh, Inditex or things like that, you know, the guy that, that has Sara, Mango and all this, yeah, yeah, he's going to be benefiting himself with a lot of salaries. But we're a small business. The, with the only people we have billing us are people that bill us that are self-employed and they bill us. So they don't have any type of payroll. If they work, they bill us and they pay and they get paid. If they don't work, they don't bill, they don't get paid. So they're screwed. And we got a we got a cleaning lady that she does have no type of contract. She's she's played paid under under the table, and she, all her works are like that. So if yeah. we stop paying her, she doesn't eat. So we gotta keep keep paying her. We're not gonna stop paying her. We were lucky enough to be able to talk to. We've got three warehouses, and we've got three owners. Because they what we first rented two, and now we rented a third one, and for, so we expanded. 
So we had to talk to the three of them, and we were lucky enough that all three of them aren't letting us pay. Oh, wow. So it's not like uh, they came out and say, uh, business don't have to pay their rents because we are closing you. Right. No, businesses, owners, uh, we hope that you are being, uh, how do you say? Like um, kind, thoughtful, understanding. Exactly. Understanding to the situation with you, with the, uh, the businesses. So they can do whatever they want. And we were lucky enough to, to talk to them and they understand the situation. But if it wasn't that because of them, we'd have 3000 bucks a month to be paying extra. You know, so and that's because we got a good relationship and we're lucky because we have saved money because the business, thank God, is going good. It's growing, you know, and it's just the two of us. We don't have kids yet, so we don't have a lot of responsibilities. We just have to pay for our food now. You know, we got a cheap rent in our home, so we... We're very lucky, right? But that's our situation. We're real lucky. Yeah, yeah. It could have been twisted the whole way around. That's America kind of did the same thing, but I thought, um, if I'm understanding it right from what I'm reading, it was like businesses can get loans, but 75% of what they spend has to go towards keeping employees paid. So that means you're 25% for your utilities, your bills, your rent you know, your inventory, if you're replacing yeah. stuff, whatever, like you only get 25% of that, whatever loan amount you take to use towards a hundred percent of your business operations aside from labor. And besides that, they're loans. Yeah. You got to pay them back. No doubt, dude. And I keep thinking like, it's been about a month and I don't know, I've, I've never been super rich and owned a ton of businesses and shit, but just with fucking like hotels, restaurants, clubs, all these social gatherings are owned by fucking rich, rich people. And they're taking hits, man. I don't think it's just going to boom back. Like, I really feel like people are going to be without money for a while because you've undercut, at least for us, like, I think it was 20% of the economy is jobless in that like service industry type stuff. Yeah, this is this is going to be a changing point. You know, things aren't going to be the same, and people cannot believe that. You know, it, it's like like any problem. You know, I, like a dictatorship. People live well, and people live like shit. Obviously, people now are making money. There's people that are really making money now with this old problem of COVID nineteen. Really, but pharmacies. Yeah, yeah. There, there are people. You know, like that. All types of. All types of situations always are going to be able to, you're going to be able to take out something beneficial about it. The thing is that in the balance of here, it's like in war, you know, a lot of people die, but the businesses that make the weapons are getting rich. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's that type of thing. The thing is that the balance here is that normally this plays out a little bit different and it's not so tumbled to one way, but in this case, it's affecting not only the typically affected poor guys that always get the shit thrown on them. In any case of things that happen, it doesn't matter if it's a war, if it's a, a tornado, if it's a flooding, they're, they're the guys that always get shit on because right. they're in, they're in the shit pile. I'm sorry for them, but it's the way the world works sometimes. Yeah. And in this case, those that were normally always looking out on poor guys that were like, ah, phew, we, we got away with this one. Yeah, we got one. Well, you guys didn't get away with this one. And that's where I think the real problem is. Like the scale is a little bit different here. There's, yeah. 
businesses that normally wouldn't have problems and are going to have real problems. Yeah, man. Like I even just think of a fucking coffee shop, like a basic mom and pop coffee shop that makes pastries. You know, you got 10, 15 people. Exactly. Like, and it's full of these type of business. Dude. And yeah, but like how long is it going to be before other people are comfortable spending whatever, six bucks every morning? And yeah. like how many people do you need at six bucks a clip to actually turn a profit and keep going with your business? You know, like that. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking with, you know, with my wife the other day. Like I know that we've got 300 students. I know we're not going to get 300 back. You know, there are some people that are going to not be able to, to be able to spend that extra money they were spending for her kids or for themselves and right. doing an extra sport or an extra activity because and at the end, we are in, in a luxury. We are something extra in your life. What we yeah. do. It's a service that is extra. Right. We're not a basic need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, you know who's making money like hell now? Supermarkets, man. Oh, dude, they're, yeah. Because I don't know there, but, but here, it's like the they, they go crazy. Crazy. You know, there's it's still today, one month after this started, you go to a supermarket and there are things that you cannot find. Yeah, what are the th- what are the things in Spain that they're fucking hoarding? Well, toilet paper, obviously, it's oh, universal. Jesus, dude, what the fuck? So I thought- do you understand it? Could you explain me the thing about toilet paper? Dude, I thought about this shit from day one, and I I was in the military for a little bit, right? So like, yeah. it I, I I've like taken a crap in the woods and figured it out. Like I I don't get why you're not putting your money and hoarding into like canned food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead, like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like, is the water gonna get shut off? Can can could you not like take some old t-shirts, make some rags, man? Like, do a little extra laundry. Yeah, take a I, shower, <laughs> right? Like that. I was like, dude, worst comes to worst, you shower what three extra times a day? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, it's it's something I don't understand. I'm like you since the first day. It's like, is there something they are not telling us? No doubt. No doubt. My mom would always be like, you know, it's not like COVID causes diarrhea. Like she was like, if it was a, if it was like a, if, if it was a squirty issue, then I could maybe exactly. get it, but it's not affecting your digestive system. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a, a snotty uh, flu, man. It's, it's dry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a dry flu. You got a, a, a dry cough. Yeah. That's one of those things where I'm like, maybe I'm overthinking this and maybe everyone else is right. And I'm wrong. <laughs> you know i i got when people freaked out and wanted to get like the wipes the hand sanitizers and shit like that i'm like okay that's that's yeah yeah, it lives on surfaces it makes sense blah 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 but the toilet paper i was fucking i I was amazed by i I couldn't could not fucking wrap my head around it that that was the like the the buy of the of the starting of this and then when the when let me ask you man did Hold on one second. Did the government, I, I believe they declared state of emergencies here, which prohibited price gouging. So when you're talking about supermarkets making money, were they able around you at all to like charge an extra dollar a roll or something like that? Or was that limited? No, no. The only thing they're be able, they're able to do is stockpile much every day that normally they're not allowed to stockpile every day. And so that, that makes them be able to have more product. Got you. And and they were able to choose which products they can sell and not, and that are on the line of basic need, not basic need. Oh, okay. So there are aisles that they have covered that you can buy, but other things they you're not able. They're to. selling paint. 
Gotcha. And they're, they're selling industrial paint. You know, I don't know, but it's for people to do things at home. Blah, 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 and okay, okay, you can sell. Yeah. Dude, I, I think that just happened here, man. We're fucking um, like so. Walmart's are, Walmart's have everything, right? They have clothing, they have pets, they have household supplies as far as like Tupperware, vacuums, fucking mixers. They have electronics. Um, and I've, it took a while, and I thought maybe yesterday was the first time they were limiting what you could buy in store in Walmart. You're cutting up a little bit. Gotcha. So I, yeah, something had just come up on my screen. But I was saying like Walmart was similar where Walmarts have all these non-essential things along in an essential store with food. So Walmart's been able to sell fucking TVs, you know, new phones, whatever, video games, uh, household supplies. And I think they just limited them, which is like the Amazon, the Amazon law. Because now Amazon just gets to sell you whatever the fuck they want online and make all this extra money now. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon. Well, the other things that are happening is everything is starting to convert more to uh, buying online. You know, that's something that they wanted to install on us. And I, I remember even in the 90s, we were already talking about buying shit to, to bring to your house. Yeah. And now it's like all the, the meats, you know, they're sending mail saying we got all this meat that we normally sell to the restaurants that are not being able to open. So they're selling it to people at home. Oh. So I just bought the other day, I got around like uh, five, five to six kilos of meat. And it was delivered in a box, all sealed up, beautiful at the front doorstep. Yeah, that that is, um, I don't know. It, it is. It's a de- definite change in purchasing. And I feel like people are trusting. I think like it used to be like, no, I want to go make sure the cut of steak that I get like is the way, looks the way I like it or whatever. You know, like you're like quality control for yourself. Yeah. But I feel like now people are like, I'll just fucking return it or companies will kick me a refund or I'll just trust them. It's a, it is, it's an interesting shift. Yeah. And since I also, I don't know, it's like, if they, in my case, you know, I'm, if I'm reading that it's where, where I normally go to eat meat, you know, we go, we sit at the table, we have the waiter and I'm eating the meat that's getting cooked by the chef. And sometimes I'm even pissed off because I'm real Uruguayan with meat. Like, ah, he's hidden and cook it like I do. And now Flavor? I have the same meat, but I can cook it myself. So. Got you. So when you say Uruguayan, is that like a flavor thing, a like well done thing? Or what does that mean? And in Uruguay, we, we like are the barbecue is like religion. Oh, like we we can barbecue anywhere, everywhere, every day. You know, you you pass a construction site and they got their barbecue, just homemade barbecue with the things they got in a construction site. They build it up, they stop working, eat their cow meat and continue to go to the work, you know, and nobody's going to tell them what the hell are you doing cooking on this construction site? <laughs> uh, we have those type of like, it's, it's so, so much part of the culture that, that it's permitted, even though Dude. it's like, normally you wouldn't have, be able to do something. Like that. Right. Holy shit. You know what I just thought of the, um, social distancing. Like, is it, would it be stereotypical for me to say that Latin Hispanic cultures are like overly physical and overly social, at least compared, like you just said it, fucking barbecue, like the construction dudes are gathered around a barbecue eating together. Like, I'm sure they're like shooting the shit. You know what I more miss, man? 
I miss hugging. So I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, we are more. Right? So like, much more. do you think that's going to be an, an adopted change? Or do you think it's going to be like, fuck it, man. I don't care. I'm still kissing you on the cheek, giving you a hug kind of a thing. I know at first I'm going to be, I'm going to have to behave myself and I'm going to have to, you know, we, we got the elbow thing going here. You know, you, you, you touch elbows. I don't know if you guys are doing that. Yeah. They, I don't think it's picking on. I think we're still trying to hold on to like the fist bump. Yeah. Well here, here they got the elbow now, you know? Jesus. So, so if I, if I, cause I, I got in the neighborhood here, I, we live in, in a good neighborhood and uh, it's like, uh, we got cows nearby, grease, uh, green grass. So, we when you take out the garbage you see somebody a, a neighbor and you do elbows here 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 we do elbows gotcha. now so i don't know if i know that at first i'm gonna have to behave and not be able to i, I hug all my students uh you know i'm an acrobatics teacher so i have to touch them a yeah, lot no doubt so i don't know i don't know i i would like to be able to go to my ways for me it's weird you know i'm i'm a tender guy yeah so like the reason you're holding back is not because you want to hold back. It's because you don't want to like force your acceptance of it's okay to be physical onto other people. Uh, now, now it's just about respect. You know, yeah. I'm not going to do, do things in this moment that, you know, we're talking about that all of this things are happening, you know, even though it's being hyped up, I'm not going to be the one to just in case light the match. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm I'm almost the same way. Let me ask you this, man, because this is something I found was interesting. The the fact that they call it social distancing instead of physical distancing. So constantly repeating yeah, the word social. I, 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 Go ahead. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I, I had seen it was um I believe it's it's Naval, a dude I follow on Twitter that's um he's been on like Joe Rogan's podcast. I think he's like um he's an angel investor, um entrepreneur dude. I, 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 I listened to Joe Rogan, so, so I think I may have heard about him. Yeah, dude, the Naval Joe Rogan podcast is fucking, like, it's one of those podcasts that you can listen to 20 times. Like, you could play it once a month just to make you think of different shit, right? Uh, look it up, look it up. Now I got the time. <laughs> yeah, right, no doubt. Um, so <laughs> his point was, you know, and I've noticed it too, man, and I'd make a purpose to do the opposite. Like, if I'm walking by someone going to the grocery store, I'm going to look them in the aisle and I'm going to make a cheesy ass smile and I'm going to be like, Hey, you know, just even though I'm six feet away, but the uh, limited eye contact and the cordial discussions have, I think gone down. And I really wonder, is it because we keep fucking hearing social distancing versus physical distancing? Well, that, that may be a part of it, but here, here I, my negative guy comes out and my sometimes little faith in humanity oh yeah because you know people are gullible and masses man right and as individuals we're awesome but when we get in masses you know something something up there doesn't work right and we just screw up and a lot of this is I think probably is because all this is hyping up and all this paranoia and you know here the media you know, every day they're telling you the amount of people that are dying. Jesus, I know, dude. The fucking death ticker is like, could I really want to have like a 12 column death ticker with like cancer, with car accidents, with, <laughs> yeah, exactly. with construction accidents, with fucking bike accidents, with heart attacks, you know, with, with, that, li man. with lion attacks. And 
fucking nationally and just to compare to give perspective on like is this a lot of unregular death if we want to compare it man you know there's there's a lot of things that are extremely fucked up that are happening that there is no no statistic place nowhere yeah nobody even knows yeah no statistical import i looked this shit up in america man there's six million car deaths a year six million people die in car deaths a year here and like when you tell people that they're like oh my god that's so covid's up to how many 10 10 20 thousand 25 thousand and it's like yeah six million but when's the fucking last time you thought in your car i could die going to the grocery store no 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 no. people drive their car like they brush their teeth no no doubt right that'd be another one fucking toothbrush deaths how many people a year kill themselves? <laughs> fucking accidental eye stabbing. You know, you swallow too much toothpaste. Your fucking body goes in shock. <laughs> oh, man. You just made me remember Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Did that happen to him? Was it close? No, no. The, 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 way, the, the way you talked and the, the simile you used, the way you, it, was, it was his style. I liked it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm a biter. I have no <laughs> – we're all biters, right? Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Oh man. You got, you got to listen to good people. Yeah. Well, so that's something too, right? Like, so did you have, cause the circus thing is really interesting where like, who are your role models for that? Like, are, are there like LeBron James, Michael Jordan circus guys that you're looking up to, you're following, you're like, yo, that's a fucking sick ass move or, Oh, the timing, like comedians can look to other comedians for timing. Who are when, like, yeah, there there are some there are some points and some things in in timing and things that more theatrical or clown or comedians that that you that there are some people that I that not look up to but do study. Yeah. But as a circus performer, as itself, maybe in when I was starting as a juggler and there were these jugglers, but you know, since I'm, I'm was old school. So we didn't have YouTube when I started, right? There wasn't much you, you could see, you know, you knew about this guy. Like there's this American dude, Anthony Gato. And the thing is that when I was a kid starting up juggling, yeah, awesome. The guy throws seven clubs, but now I'm 38. I've been, 17 years in the business of circus and it's like yeah but the guy does the same shit and it's only mathematics it's just throwing numbers up it's no art oh you know so you start to value art over technique and at first you value technique over art god well because you need the technique right in order to oh it's the base then, of then then convert it to art right yeah, my, my wife is a classical dancer, and she doesn't do much classical dancer today, but she can do anything. Right. And it's like shit. It's like they give them such a good base yeah. that they can use their body practically in any way after that. Um, What's some of the – like do you get into the art of like – or is this insulting to be like have you juggled chainsaws, fucking like flaming bowling pins? Like do you juggle stupid shit to take risks like that or are you talking more like the um choreography? Of while you're juggling, I, I juggled stupid risks at first, but not to <laughs> not to to take the risk like oh the circus risk or something like that. And it's like to try it out, you know. I wanted to juggle fire, I wanted to juggle a chainsaw, and it's not like I bought myself a chainsaw to juggle. When I had the opportunity, I took it. And I, I wanted to, to learn how to spit fire. Learn how to spit fire, okay? 
never spit fire again. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it's, it, just... it's it's more personal than 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 public in that way. What do you mean? What was personal about making or it, not wanting to do it? It was something for me to learn. I wanted to learn. Oh. It's not something I wanted to learn to show. You know, oh. there's some things you learn and and you put in your show and you use and you show as the, as the words say. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They call but, it a show for a reason. <laughs> exactly. And other things that you learn that are for yourself. You know, you remember the movie Walter Mitty? I don't. Was that uh, Ben Stiller? Don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I never saw it, but I remember. Uh, you should see it, man. Really? Because there's, there's a scene, the guy takes a picture, the guy's going to take a picture and he doesn't take it. And it's like, well, you're not going to take the picture? No, no, this one's for me. Oh. You know, he works for the magazine. For I don't remember which magazine it is. And he, he didn't take the picture for the magazine. He took the picture for himself without the camera. So it's a little bit like that. You know, there's some things that you learn that are not for, for show afterwards. It's just for you, for, for your own personal accomplishment. Yeah. Jesus. That's got to be such a unique thought process for our fucking social media based lives where we almost so many people have to show off so much of their shit all the time. Oh shit, man. Yeah, man. That's, man. Huh. And so yeah, I'm, I'm like real bad with social media. I started my Instagram for the business, right? So it's like, at first I was trying to, to do it, use it to start getting some followers. So when we started La Fabrica, I, I just followed you with both with my, my personal one and with La Fabrica. So you can see what I was talking about. Okay. And when I started La Fabrica, it's like, okay, yeah, here we're, we're starting, we try to invest time and it's, it's part of the business. So part of our day is, is invested in Instagram. Right. But that only made me just forget more about my personal one. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, in your fucking industry, like Instagram, I, I had actually just uh, posted one about a Canadian artist um, who's a surreal artist and like, dude, fucking legit, um, Jared. But with him, man, he's posting his art and that's like your intellectual property that now everyone gets to see, which is cool. But now everyone gets to have because you can save the image. For yeah, you, I, I struggled. I struggled with this a little bit with the tutorials, for example. Yeah, right. That exactly what I was thinking, man. So now, if you're trying to have a, not only you're trying to market, like, and look how cool I am. Let me come to your business and entertain. But also, you're almost giving away or making a record of tricks where maybe students don't have to come because I can just see what he's doing and try it. Well, some people for sure are not going to come. You know, I, I, I was self-taught until. I reached the point that I wanted to do this professionally and that's where that's probably where some people are going to have to take make a decision you know oh. you can learn a lot of shit but if you want to get into the world there's some point that you're going to have to make the step or towards a school or towards a uh, production company or towards something that's going to make you change from just learning it as far as like how to operate the business or is it just like the physical feedback of having hands put on you to like, let you know, this is how you need to be. Well, some people that be others, you know, others have genuine talent and don't even need that. You know, I've, I've had students that are like, shit, man, you don't need me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we can just, I can like give you things on a piece of paper and see you like in three to four months. <laughs> wow. But you know, that, that, that's not normally the case. 
You know, there, there are not so many talented people out there. You know, like when my teenager are busting my balls, I'm like, if you were a talented guy, we already know you. You know, like how old was Justin Bieber? How old was this guy? Yeah. How old was this other guy? Yeah. Yeah, the thing is that what, one of the things we do is that we take our kids to different types of competitions, not not to actually uh, be a part of a competition as competing, though for them to be able to feel acting in an audience, for them when they reach our, the professional point of life, they already know what that is. Oh. And those type of things, or you learn like I did on the street, and that is error and trial. You know, that's how it works. Right. You go out, you do your shit, and if it goes good, you're going to do that. And whatever did wrong, you're going to see if you try to place it somewhere else or you're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. How hard is that for the kids who have the skills to then go out and perform? Or do they just naturally want the audience to do like the whole, ooh, <gasps> kind of stuff? Well, that's part of our jobs. If, if, you know, that's... We don't only have to train them in the technique. We gotta give them that security and and that guide them. You know, I'm I'm much more. I, I don't use much teacher word here. I don't like it. So I'm much more of a like a guidance. You know, I I, yeah. I I give you little pushes and little tugs to get you continuing on your road. But it's your road. It's not mine. God, wow. And we got to give them that confidence because, you know, this is very, very, very difficult. And as my wife says, it's the, it's the same shit as in life. So that's what I said before when we started this conversation at the beginning of the podcast is that for us, the most important thing is to give them those tools for them to be able to do anything. You know, if, if you can go out and act in front of a public without any type of problems, you can go to a job interview without any type of problem. Oh, you'll fucking crush it. Not only exactly. will you crush it, dude, you'll learn how to read people, who's having exactly. a good time, who's having a bad time, who needs to be engaged. Um, and that's the shit. Dude, that's it. I, I'll tell you, I'm, I can't juggle for shit, but growing up waiting tables, like if you wanted to make money as a waiter, you better learn to fucking read people. <laughs> for sure, because tips are gold, man. Dude, no doubt. No doubt. Um, And I, I feel like a lot of people don't get that or a lot of, um, I was talking to a couple basketball coaches. So like a D one basketball coach where you're recruiting mm -hmm. kids. And he said something that amazed him was the lack of socially like ebb and flow in a conversation, knowing when to insert yourself, knowing how to be polite, knowing when to interject, knowing when to like shut the fuck up and listen. Like yeah. kids can text and send pictures and sound genuine as hell. And then when they're on the phone with you, they have no way to express their emotions they even lack like basic fucking eye contact. And he's like, it's a real thing when you're recruiting a kid and trying to make a decision about them. Like it kind of turns you off from people. Yeah, that's the problem, man. It, it, it's the typical uh, hero story of anime. It's the kid who has all the talent, but not, not the attitude to be able to show it. Oh. I did not know that was a typical um, storyline from anime. Yeah, they play a line with that. They they normally grow the character very fast. But that's why I like to watch those types of cartoons and things. Because, you know, Japanese have this whole moral issue, man, and all those 
honor and it's like they're very romantic and these type of things yeah fuck i didn't huh i've never been too much into anime what what do you like about that the not the anime itself but like that a uh, romanticizing of honor is that something that appeals to you oh yeah i'm 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 one one moment in my one moment in my life when i was like and that teenage revolution guy that was pissed off with how things and you're know, realizing the world, like all these fucked up shit and not seeing all the negative, but not paying attention to the positive. One of the things that I saw was like how, how the, the humanity lost class, you know, like I remember oh. how we used to be. And like, even if you were a bad person or a good person, we, we always had this type of respect and you know, like human part of us, you know? Yeah. And that's like little by little diluting and it's like, we don't give a shit anymore about people. And that's fucked up. And, and when I look at these animes and these things, it's like, it doesn't matter if he's a bad guy. There, there's this always this point of respect, you know, like have the Japanese samurai, you know, they respect their enemies. Right. All this, they, they got this, this thing on that's so cultural, that's so put in that they don't lose it. And that for me, that's beautiful because those I think are probably the, the most important things, you know, that we have is that humanity, that basic nature that we all have when we're kids that we don't give a shit about where you come from, what you do, what yeah. you're going to do. You know, you're a baby like me and we're going to smile, spit, laugh. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's like, it's so true. Like, I don't know if there ever was a baby born that was born like a racist. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. like, like it's that old thing. Like if, yeah, if you just put kids together, they just fucking like, they don't even ask like, Oh, where do you live? They just start playing and doing shit. Like this crib is not for me. No Give doubt. me a bigger crib. No doubt. Oh Jesus. You have the small, <laughs> like what, what, what's that? The Hyundai of cribs? Like check out my Mercedes crib. Like no, nah, yeah. they, they definitely yeah, don't I do think they shit. did even a show where they fucked up kids doing this. <laughs> oh really? I don't know if there's some cartoon, uh, baby boss or something like this. Oh, well, dude, that's, but that, that's it, man. You know what? You, you got the point I was trying to put out, you know, that's why, why did we have to lose that part of ourselves that, that was so beautiful and so good, you know, yeah, how, dude, that's dude. how we accomplished so many things as a community in so many places. I wonder, like, do you think it's cause people like are it's more like a capitalistic mentality of, I look at people, not for people, but for networking. So like even just saying I have relationships versus I'm networking, just like physical distance, social distance. If I'm, if like, say I'm meeting you in order just to honestly like use you versus get to know you, like I approach you and that would fuck up my mind, you know, like, yeah, but I know what you mean. And I, I even have it, you know, I, I when I received your your message, I, I had my doubts. I I didn't go a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's a part of me that has that doubt that is this guy for real? You know, does he want to get into my computer and see my shit? No doubt. Well, actually, it's once I get that social security number, I get to get the retirement home in Italy, and I start to get to receive your checks. That's the that's Perfect. the end goal. 
Perfect. I man, just I just basically need three more stories so that if I run into trouble trying to figure out your passwords for things, I'll know what your <laughs> clues are. <laughs> yeah. like, I haven't given you the name of my pets yet. So. Exactly. Like, what was your high school mascot? And I'm like, fuck. That's what I really need. <laughs> they've got they've got. This has nothing to do, but just to, to remember something funny. They got the saying of the, the Travesti, your Travesti name, your drag name, your drag name, your drag queen name. Oh, okay. And it's uh, the name of the first road you lived on and the name of your first pet. Gotcha. <laughs> so that, that, so that would be your first and second name, and that would be your drag queen name. So in, in America, they call it your porn name. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're more sensible here. Right. So, uh, what was yours? What would yours be? Rolling rusty. Rolling rusty. Yeah, I got, I got a tune, eh? Dude, I could actually. Rolling rusty sounds way better for a drag queen than it does a porn star. Yeah, I was happy with the drag queen part. Yeah. You fucked it up a little bit. Because, well, like, think about rolling rusty. If you're a porn star, then everyone you're with has to get like tetanus shots. You're yeah, the, yeah, no, it's 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 nasty, it's nasty, right? But it's edgy if you're a porn queen or a, or a porn, not a porn queen, a fucking drag queen. Yeah, yeah, because you know you got all the music and all the show in it, so it's good. No <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Would you have big hair or would you go small hair? I know, I know. No, what would the outfit no, I'd, be? I'd I'd go all big, man. I'd have those big platforms, all big. You know, they've got here the drag queen festival and carnival in Canarias, real big. They, show it on tv oh no no i not heard and we it. watch it we, we 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 have a lot of fun it used to be much more artistic than now that now it's like very electric it's different for us we always are very judgmental with art so you know it's, a, it's our thing uh, okay so they used to actually like more perform than try to like shock with the outfits now it's uh, they do big big shoes you know big big platform heels and splits Holy shit. <laughs> it's like it's all, all of them it's like doing a split. Falling <laughs> the one that falls harder to the split. God. Are they wearing padding, man? Like like how do you do those splits and fucking pop on the ground as a guy? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I, like you you've yeah, got to yeah, know. Yeah. Like if you do if you do the old you remember those uh the, the the old videos of the black jazz or tap dancers? Yeah. They used to black and white. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. They they used to do the split with the bent knee. Okay. And they jump high up. If you do it that way, that bent knee lets you do a hip twist that permits you to be able to fall as far, as high and hard as you want. And still have children. Yeah, because you're doing it more on your left cheek or right cheek, depends on the leg, gotcha. than on your actual middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Industry secret right there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow. Appreciate the insight. Dude, I've always, so it's all about just hitting that fucking butt cheek and just not getting scrunched. Yeah, well, that was my method. I I, I didn't know, never chose to do the full one, so Jesus. I'm not sure they're, they're how you go. Because so, I'm a boxer's guy. Well, so I got a problem. I don't do unicycle because of that. Oh. Because I used to do, I'm, 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 I'm a balance artist also, as I saw, I said before, and I used to do all of the elements of balancing, you know, the big ball, the cable, the stilts, but unicycle was like, I used to do a bit, little bit of freestyle, you know, a little bit of playing around jumping. And the first time I did a good big jump, 
uh, wasn't very good afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> was it? A, tell me it was in public. Tell me there was oh, like yeah, 150 yeah, yeah. Not people. Acting, not acting. It was in school. Not acting. Oh, Jesus. School and training. But it was in class, you know, 20 people around you. And you got a big problem here. Did, now, did they know? Like, can people look at a, a, someone landing on a unicycle and just say like, oh, that poor fucker just squished him Oh, up. man. I, no, I went straight to the floor, man. I, I, I was like timber. <laughs> I lost all my strength. I, I just fell straight down and didn't move. Um, Fucked up. No, no, no. That, that was the end of my unicycle days, man. Oh. Right and, there. and is that how you met your wife? She was the one that ran out to take care of you? <laughs> no, she, luckily, she hasn't seen this. She's just learning about it because they have her right next to me and she's, she's, she's laughing her ass off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so did you get... Was that the last time you were on a unicycle, or are you the kind of guy no, that was like? I've been on them before, but I I just go on them to teach something simple to to a student, but nothing nothing complicated, no jumping oh, anymore. You. What about dude? So what about that high wire? I've always wondered, like, if you fucking fall on that high wire where you got enough room to, and it just catches you in the middle, has that ever happened? Yeah, you put your hand. Oh, okay. So when you're falling down, you grab the hand almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's it's, it's like a defense mechanism you learn very early, very fast. You even do it on purpose, so you have that you know security that if this happens, that's the way you got to go because you you got to grab it because you know if you do this without any type of belt hooked on like highliners do, yeah, or without or without any net, you're gonna fall. It doesn't matter if you're only falling two meters it's gonna still hurt like hell you could probably break something right so you gotta have this this defense mechanism where if you go you both your hands go straight to that wire gotcha. the problem is that when this happens the normal thing is you don't grab your nuts what, what happens is that you scrape your leg you know your thigh inner thigh uh, okay and that wire is a wire you know it's tense it's steel and it it, it gives you a good burn it gives you a good burn. That's what I like to do. After I've been on, fuck, how did I forget your drag name already? Rusty Road? Rolling Rusty, man. Rolling Ru- Look, so after I've spent a night with Rolling Rusty, I look forward to a good burn. That's... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> shit, I got to do a new Instagram page. That's going to work. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Could you imagine if you did all sorts of sick shit as Rolling Rusty and post... Dude, you'd, you'd fucking blow up in a month. Like you'd have a million yeah, but that's followers. That's the thing. That that what works now, you know. But <laughs> shit, I, I always think about this. It's it's like getting a, a the, your first A in exam. Then you got to continue getting A's, man, and that's a lot of work. Oh, maintaining excellence. <laughs> shit, man, you if you blow up, you know how many? It's because today people get you know get, they get sick and tired of somebody too easy there's so many options out there you know yeah. that's the problem we have with kids we want them to concentrate and got, they, they can change subjects so fast and the rest of the things in life how the hell do we want them to concentrate 40 minutes on something dude 100 100 fucking percent yeah and that's the thing so you got to maintain yourself with a real high a grade if you want to you want to play this game of social media man. yeah and like and would you really want it like how fucked up would it be that you're walking around and someone looks like deep into your eyes when you're buying a cup of coffee and they're like rolling rusty <gasps> rolling rusty and now like that's who you fucking are <laughs> like do you really want to be known as rolling rusty all just to get fucking followers on social media 
Yeah, oof. I mean, as as you can see, you know, I'm not an Instagram guy, so I don't. I I could never go that road. Even in my in my thing, if I was just doing tutorials or or posting uh, acting or videos, right? I don't have the 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 type for that type things you know yeah i just i wonder what the kind of pressure that puts on a person like where it becomes your identity your your instagram you is you and i i I wonder like how many people that wasn't real for them at first you know for sure man for sure because if you find something that works and you're so freaked up with this you're gonna maintain it even though it's not your actual thing yeah right yeah yeah um so what was your best i want i wanted to find out what was your best injury was it, the best un- was it the unicycle or you had to, you had to lose something else? Like you're missing a finger somewhere. No, no, I've broken things. I sprained badly. I've got a herniated disc, never operated, never intend to, uh, two abdominal hernias, uh, uh broken clavicle, broken two, two fingers on my right hand. Uh, all on like different acts yeah none 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 actually you know like real real bad okay i've never been in something like real real bad been i've i've passed through like if you would have fell to the left instead of the right fuck you know (laughs) I, i was real close a couple of times of having something real bad but luckily no you know like i'm i've had much more badder things happen to me with nothing to do with circus. You know, it's like I tell my students and it's if the normal thing is that when you're doing your shit, you're real concentrated. So probably you're not going to do something wrong. Oh, and the rest of your life is when you're not concentrated and when you fuck up. Got you. Or when you've been drinking. Oh shit. That's yeah, for dude, sure. dude. Yeah. There it is right there. That's, you've got to have a great, like, I was a little drunk. I'm maybe feeling myself. I'm trying to impress somebody. Hey, you know, I could grab those eight candles and juggle them. Like, did you yeah. ever have some moment nah, like stupid that? stupid shit, breaking shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breaking shit, juggling shit and breaking shit. But, but I, don't, I don't even have to be drunk to do that. <laughs> my wife could tell you that. But uh, my wife's talking that we almost, oh yeah, we, not, it's not a, not an injury, but we almost uh, made a wedding turn on fire. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We went, we had this wedding of a, this Instagram guy that's a friend of ours, but he's in, he's one of those Instagram that's more of like nature and healthy and not, he's not like, hi, um, hi guys, how you doing? It's not that type of guy. Gotcha. But he's got like I don't know two hundred thousand followers, so he, he's he's pretty up there. And he, he he's a friend of ours, and he wanted us to act in in his wedding. So we had to do this fire act in one of the one points of the of the wedding, and they had all these lights, this string of lights, and they wanted to do it under it. So okay, no problem, we'll do it under it. We'll do it without any issues. And we had we started first having to walk through. We had the three flames, uh, three torches, each of us. We were two of us and we were walking, but there was a bunch of people. So we had to have the up in the, in the sky. Wait, you're walking and, and juggling three flames each looking for the, for the bride and the groom and be between all the people and with the lights on top. So we had the torches up high because we didn't, we didn't want 
and burn all those fancy dresses and fancy hairstyles. <laughs> Jesus, can you imagine? Like the chemicals they have in their hair, those bitches would ignite in a minute. It's a fucking match, dude. That's exactly. A but the problem was that suddenly my wife is like, the lights, the lights. And we started to see that we were starting to melt some lights. So we had to, it was like, if I go down, I'm going to burn people. If I go up, I'm... holy shit. And I'm, when I'm acting, she says, because you were happy and I was afraid. And it's like, when I'm acting, I'm like, shit, if shit happens, it's got to go down. It's good. It's going to go down. We, we can't do anything. got to smile. <laughs> you, you can't put a face of terror in any moment. You know, it's like, yeah, right. It's like having a blast knowing that I'm going to put something on fire and my wife was. Wait, was she juggling your, you broke out a little bit on me towards the end there. Was she juggling with you or is she like managing? Is she part of the act? She was, she was one of the acts. She was. Oh, fuck man. Yeah. You're breaking in and out. She was nearby watching. While we were going through the people with the other juggler, it was another. It was another friend of mine. Got you, Jesus. And and is anyone else even remotely aware that this whole fucking tent could go up in a minute, or are they just so enthralled with the act <laughs> that they're just like clapping, <laughs> smiling? He was the guy who was next to Maria, practically grabbing her arm. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, he, he was like, yeah, he met us and, ah, cool, I wanted to do circus here. The place is awesome for a circus, but I never, I goes and then we'll talk and like, shit, I almost burned this guy. <laughs> Dude, I got, I'm like, I'm just wondering in my head, man, like who the fuck says, yeah, I want you to juggle flames inside something. Uh, no, no, that happens a lot, man. It's, it's unreal. Are I've you serious? i places that, that, that people restaurant in the town in madrid that it used to be caves from the the uh, spanish war and they converted it into a restaurant oh that's got to be so a cool like ass this spot. little cave with tables and lights and decoration and the guy wanted me to go juggling a... oh dude in between the tables you know if the waiter is there i cannot pass <laughs> If you throw it like a, a little bit over your head, it's going to hit the roof. <laughs> right. And then just fucking bounce wherever, right? Ah, wherever. That's the problem with juggling. Once it bounces, that's... Shit. Dolly, you are... um, And it's it's not your fault, man, but you're breaking in and out during this, just a little bit, so you know. Ah, uh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, no. it's. I think it's part of mine, too. They're starting to limit like your internet connectivity because everybody's on. Yeah, here, here they they were talking the other day the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so something I'm wondering, man, like how do you keep those? If you're juggling flames, how do they stay lit? Ah, uh, it's a, it's a time. It's the the time that because what you have is Kevlar. You know the material Kevlar. Yeah. So you got it rolled up, um, aluminium cover. And you got the Kevlar rolled up. You drench that in fire liquid, and the amount of suction that that has, the amount of usage that you oh. made it. So when it starts to go go out, it's the flames. Jesus, you are breaking in and out. Fuck me. 
man. I'm sorry. It's no, shit, it's not, man. dude. It's not your fault. It's just like you know what I really think it is, Dolly. I think you realize, or maybe someone realizes, that you're giving insider secrets and you're trying no, to like I, censor them the out, man. Up. Like you're you're fucking hitting buttons and shit to mess it up just at the right hey, time. That's what I'm I think's happening. <laughs> dude, I had no idea Kevlar is what was used. Yeah, they used to use amianto, but it's toxic. It's what they used to use on roofs. Oh, the black stuff? Before they put yeah. the shingles on? Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. Imagine breathing that every day. But since it's toxic, they took it out, and now it's all Kevlar. Wow. Yeah, so like, if that thing hits the ground, it's not going out, right? It's just going to continue to burn. Yeah, yeah, no problems. Holy that, shit. That will continue. And so do you pay like a fire squad? Do you have like three clowns with hoses that come running out as like comic relief if shit does catch on fire? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it would be it would be a good act. <laughs> and then the hose just squirts nothing and everybody just screams in fear. The clowns are like we, sorry. We we do have inside because we also do a little bit of fireworks and some and some works. So we do have this like little fire with the material, but it's more to give a an eyesight of safety than actual regulation. Oh, Okay. This way people can be relaxed that if something goes down, they can still have a good time. Yeah. You see a fire extinguisher and you're happy. That is, man, that's a good point. That is true. Like, um, like a safety sticker. If you're going on like a roller coaster and you're like, okay, yeah, this has been inspected. I I, I trust it. <laughs> and you have no idea who the fucking inspector is or even if it's real. God, I had not thought about that. So that's like a pretty, Dude, I got to be honest with you, man. I've been, I don't know how many openings I've been to, but just on my side of the water. Um, Catch you there, Sean. Yeah, right. I Fuck. We may be fucked. But I'm just thinking like this performing for openings, like that's not common, at least around me in my world. I'm kind of well, amazed. You really do it a lot. Really? Just part of the culture, you think? Uh, Sean, repeat, please. Just part of the culture? Can you repeat, Sean? I, I only heard just part of the culture. Yeah, well, having it so common, is it just part of the culture, you think? People just trying to have a good time and excuse to party? Well, here they have, they have it's like they're always marketing things with festivities. I'm actually looking at, at something that says fiestas. <laughs> it's like here it's very normal to have I don't know if it's because they have the good weather, if they have the good spirit, but the promoting and marketing is always just Damn. Dude, we just started. Dolly, man, um, the internet's so fucked up. I don't want to have like 20 minutes of you just cutting off, man, towards the end. Yeah, sorry, man. No, that's... I'm having a, I'm having a blast here talking, but yeah, I'm... I'm yeah, I bet you my daughter's just streaming a bunch of shit downstairs. I'm going to have to fucking go yell at her. <laughs> She's using up all the bandwidth. <laughs> oh, man. All right, dude. So, yeah, I'm going to cut it short. And by short, I guess an hour and a half in. Um, <laughs> but, right? Um, dude, hopefully we can um, get back together because I want to kind of hear more even just about the culture. And um, even like when restrictions are um, uplifted, man, your fucking whole – that whole industry is based around bringing people together to have a good time. 
Yeah, yeah. We know that when they lift the restrictions, they're not going to lift ours. You know, I'm going to be able to go to my to my things and paint things, but not open. Yeah, right. So I'm interested to see how that plays out, man. And I'm really fucking pissed that whoever's doing the internet, those uh circus insiders who don't want you talking, are fucking with our connection, man. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Or else maybe some somebody that's. See, you cut off there. I bet you, you know who I bet it was? Someone heard that I'm fucking cracking jokes like Joe Rogan and he's such a big deal. He was like, man, shut that bitch down. Take, <laughs> take, take him out. It's fucking over. He's, That's what I was saying, man. This uh, is probably another guy with a podcast too. No doubt. He's fucking like, yo, this Sean's fucking stepping on my corner and he ain't going to be able to stay. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, oh, doc- man, sorry. I didn't hear the last part. It was just me cracking another stupid ass joke. Ah, shit, but they're a good one, man. I won't want to miss that. All right. Well, Dolly, man, I really thank you for uh, coming on the pod, for giving me your time, dude. Um, And thanks for the follow. I'll stay in touch. And uh, hopefully no one's too pissed that they missed out on some grainy audio at the end. And uh, I'd definitely love to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, man. We'll talk talk by message that that won't crack up. And we'll get on whenever whenever you want, man. Awesome. All right, man. Cool. Thank you so much. It was uh, great getting to know you, Dolly. Best regards to your family, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And I've now become an expert on the subject I like most. Big shout out to Dolly for spending that time. I can't wait for him to be the first guest on Getting to Know More of you. Yes, that's the second chapter. Um, I We do apologize for the audio issues. I don't know if it was the storm, if it was Spain, if it was whatever. Um, but Dali, man, or Dali, I really appreciate you uh, fighting through it and uh, keep keeping on, man. Uh, it was, your, your story was hella interesting, man. I can't wait to hear more of it. Also like to give a big shout out to Hugs. Hugs are here for you. Come on in and come on home. They're just waiting to embrace you. Don't be scared to hug people. The Corona, it will pass. Uh, Friend, follow, subscribe, listen. Let us know if you have a story to share. I'm still waiting for our first message based off of someone who has said, hey, we heard the pod. We wanted to be on. That has not happened yet despite the fact that we are at 300 downloads in literally five different continents. Um, We are all over the place. People are listening. Come, share your story. Let people get to know you. It will be awesome. And I promise you'll have a good time. Peace.